Fighting Earthlings, we have now taken over your radio. Hello and welcome in to Jayhawk Talk Radio, a show by fans for fans. And we are excited to all be back together in studio to talk a little Jayhawk hoops for two hours tonight. Why? Because, fellas, March is here. March is here. There's a buzz in the air. Andrew, it's like Christmas Eve. It's like the appetizer to the best dish in the world. It is like the layup dunk line for a really big game. This is the Big 12 tournament. How you feeling? Welcome to March. This is a good day. This is a day where it's the best that Kansas City has to offer. This is a Thursday of the Big 12 tournament where you got the Iowa State people coming down. You've got maybe some of the Baylor people coming down. Maybe one of the Texas fans comes up. <laughs> I don't know. But it's one of those times where it's the Big 12 tournament in March. And I think it was ruined a little bit. With the snow, I, I if, you, if you looked at the uh, uh, the, bed, the the markets this morning, you could get into that game for I think seven dollars. No, this is March. This is March. We can't let anything ruin March. Whether it's the climate, Mother Nature, we must accept what March gives us because March giveth, <laughs> March taketh away. I actually feel like like eleven months out of the year, I'm a different person. I'm only my true self. In the month of March, I feel like I am at peace. I feel like I am my true self right now. I think that's a bad thing for me if I'm my true self in March because I can be a terrible person but depending that's okay. on how things are going. <laughs> that's okay. That's part of the process. That's part of what March is all about. It does show your true colors. I will buy that. It does show your true colors. We had a game today. Right, and I think Bob Huggins showed his true mm. colors today in the first 10 minutes of this West Virginia game this afternoon. It sounded like Bob Huggins wanted to get either get out of there early, <laughs> head over across the street to Johnny's and and have a drink with the fellas, or if he, he was just done with uh, referee Doug. I think that's actually worth exploring a little bit because Bill Self kind of sounded like after the game, he even wasn't very pleased that Bob Huggins got tossed. Now, part of that's because it was Doug Sermons. Nobody likes Doug Sermons. Part of it's because he doesn't want to see the opposing head coach get tossed 10 minutes into the game. They're literally showing the highlights right now on ESPN. And on second thought, like, you can criticize the ref all you want, but it felt like Bob Huggins was kind of going for it there, right? Was that an intentional toss? Was that, you know what, this is the last game I'm coaching all year? Let's uh, let's head into the offseason 30 minutes earlier. He knows who he was talking to. <laughs> Those guys know. I mean, you can just see Bill Self and Huggins sitting at a bar somewhere in Morgantown talking about Doug Sermons and just trading stories about how much they disliked the guy. And even looking over, because I was at the game, I had a perfect seat. Huggins was right across from me. I was in the eighth row, perfect view, right across from, from Huggins. And I the whole time I was kind of watching him, but then I kept looking at Self. And self was kept, just had this face like, are you kidding me? Like, here we go again. Like, ref show. I felt bad for Huggins. Half the reason I want to go to that game is to watch Huggins' reactions. It's a, it's a blast seeing him, uh, especially against self. Those guys have developed a friendship that's kind of fun to watch. Well, and I think that when you buy a ticket for a West Virginia game, that's what you're paying for. You're hoping that he gets ejected. Because, <laughs> like, I want to see some action from Bob Huggins. It's like... 
going to a wrestling match and you want to see Rock raise the eyebrow. Like he maybe he doesn't do that every time. <laughs> it's maybe part like, of the price of admission. Right. He yeah. you know, you go to an Eagles concert, like I hope they play Hotel California. <laughs> they will. But uh, Bob Huggins won't get ejected every game. But just those special little nuggets, and, and we got that today. I don't know if we got much else from that game. It, it, we didn't learn a, a ton. I mean, we got some some uh, bench minutes, got those guys in there. So KJ Adams got some minutes. Yeah. Remy got some minutes. But did we learn anything, fellas? I don't think we learned anything. One final aside on Bob Huggins. Okay. Uh, my guy Kevin Flaherty, I just can't stop on them. My guy Kevin Flaherty <laughs> tweeted out, he said, you know what, Bob Huggins is such a treasure. We need to protect him. He should never be ejected. We need all the Bob Huggins minutes on television we can get. I actually disagree. I think it should be at some point during the game, even if it's at the very end of the game, just as sort of a celebratory nod to who Bob Huggins is, he should be ejected from every game. Mm. He doesn't even have to do oh. anything. At some point, the referee just looks at him. There's 30 now seconds left on the clock, go. and he says, hey, get, get out, out of here. here. Get out <laughs> I think that room. would be a really good bit. I, he, he said after the game that he was really disappointed, but not necessarily with what happened, but because the TVs in the locker room were too small. That's what <laughs> he's like. They really need to upgrade this place. Get the locker room TVs just a little bigger. Clearly never watched a game on his phone, which is what I did today. So maybe it's just because I was watching on such a small screen. I didn't have many glaring takeaways from this one other than what we've said before. Blowouts are always fun. They are always necessary from time to time, especially when you're playing three games in three days, potentially. This team could use a blowout. You get some Chris T and run, not just some run, but you get a Chris T and bang. Mm. And that was the exclamation point on today's game. I think that's the other thing is when you buy a KU ticket. If you can end the game with a Chris T and three, <laughs> you have certainly got your money's worth. You this. fill out the bingo card oh, yes. if you get the Chris T and three. My favorite part about this is we're looking for storylines from this game. You guys go Huggins. To TN. And that's the, <laughs> that is that's all we need to talk about. Did we miss anything? I don't think I, so. I mean, all right, let's let's jump into it for a minute because we have a, it, it was an interesting game. We saw Ochai come out hot, uh, cooled off a little bit, but but maybe got over a little bit that last game where he was uh he was certainly cold. You had C B have one of his best games of the season, I thought. He didn't score a ton, he got 14, but eleven boards, really active. Dave, though, I thought was the story. Because we came into this going. I hope we play really well so Dave can rest. Well, he only played 10 minutes, obviously a season low. So what was your thoughts on on the Dave storyline and also getting Mitch a little run? Mitch had a good game. Yeah, so let's talk about Dave first. So Dave's foot is obviously the probably the biggest injury concern uh, we have for this team. And so he played 10 minutes. I'm not sure if he played 10 minutes because of the foot concern or because he wasn't very good in the first half. He only played four minutes. I definitely think it's an injury because it's, it should be noted. It's not just the foot. It's also the knee, which Bill self essentially acknowledged that anytime he pushes it just a little too hard, it starts to swell up. So I do think at least this weekend, knowing what's starting next week, they are looking for any opportunity to get him rest. And when you're up 24 to 6 to start that one, I think Bill said, okay, this isn't a game where we need to push Dave at all. He did get some late minutes in the game. He was in that game when I thought he shouldn't have. <laughs> for no reason. Right. At the end, <laughs> he like, checks why? back in. KU fans are literally being like, what? Why? Why? No. Why? We're all sitting there looking around. Wait, like, why wait, is he coming back Wait, in? with three minutes to go, I left to get Chipotle. Like, how late in the game? Was it that late? Six minute mark. Oh, boy. I mean, I he, he had a total of 10 minutes in the game. He had four in the first half, but the six minutes he played in the second half were completely unnecessary. Yeah. Should have just stayed on the bench. Give those minutes to KJ Adams. Give those minutes to Zach Clements. 
figure it out. Mitch uh, is the other story. So let's pivot to Mitch. Mitch had a great game. Uh, and maybe he's not going to go down as being remembered as, oh, this is a great Mitch game. But 11 points in, in the Big 12 tournament coming off the bench, or 10 points coming off the bench, and was good. Who got the bucket at the end? It was at the end of the first half. It was Mitch. They ran the play Mitch. for Mitch. Five blocks. No easy buckets. Five blocks for Mitch in 23 minutes. And they it warms my heart. Isn't that beautiful? They weren't soft blocks. They were blocks that got everybody <laughs> fired up. That should be worth more than just you I know agree. a single tick in the in the score column. That should be dunk. I mean, a, a great block is equal to a great dunk. I mean, I think that you should get points for a great block. Okay, is is a dunk the greatest thing that can happen in a basketball game? Half court shot. Half court shots number one with a bullet. I, I think so. Well, it could be, assuming that it's at the buzzer. I like long, even better if it's not. <laughs> just, just, we don't get many of those. Jimmer time, just launch from wherever. The yeah. Phillips 66 logo, just pull up and shoot. I think it's not just a regular block. So I think half court shot definitely. Thank you. Then dunk and then monster block. Like mm. monster block that either into the stands gets yeah. the crowd fired up, not just like a, you know, oh, we, we moved the ball a little bit. We're talking get everybody fired mm. up. Now, not just any dunk, because as we know, not all dunks are created equal. <laughs> An open court dunk, while nice, is not as good as a posterized dunk. Or even, I would say, the the alley-oop at the beginning of the game to Och, the lob dunks. Yeah, I actually, high. I think a lob posterizer is the perfect mix. Mm. We certainly got the full spectrum of dunks in this Yes, game. we did. <laughs> you had, the on the high, high end, the lob dunk uh, to Ochai Abaji. And then you had the open court Pretty much dunk kind by Dwan Harris. It was a dunk. It was. Is dunking officially back after today? It's back. If I think when Dwan Harris, Harris dunks, ball, dunking is back. Yeah. CB after the game, they they're asking him about the dunk, and he said something like, "Yeah, uh, it was all right." And and Bill <laughs> Self is sitting next to him, just laughing, just oh, howling. Yeah. <laughs> like they're just laughing about. He's like, uh, it, "Very deadpan." He's like, "It was all right." But the rim <laughs> did rattle. Just a little bit. Therefore, that officially qualifies as a dunk. Yeah, I don't think the there's any controversy there. It. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it was almost a disaster. Almost a confidence killer. But because it went in. It's a dunk. A big, big march coming from Dwan Harris. Mm. If, if you'd like to join the conversation, you can do so on the Jays Southland Toe Service text line 913-576-7610 from the 913. Self should have gotten booted just to have. Huggy Bear's back would have been epic. Mm, I like that. They probably would have left the stadium, gone across the street, and had a drink. A sign of loyalty. That would have been quite the move. I like Solidarity. that. Solidarity. When we come back, Bruce Weber takes the high road on the way out the door. We'll explain. You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, and Nick Schwert on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio, 610 Sports Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, Julio Sanchez. I am Nick Schwert. If you want to call in, this is a pseudo postgame show. The problem is, is that the game ended about three hours ago. So, and it was a blowout. So I can't imagine anybody's really burning on anything from this one. But if you are, if you have any general questions, musing, thoughts about KU, Big 12 tournament, their chances in March, give us a call. 
7610 also can shoot us a text. Same number on the Jay's Southland Tow Service text line. I didn't think this would be the case, knowing that KU had a game today, but yet after that game wrapped and the way it played out, I don't feel like that's the biggest story of the day. Yeah, I think the the story really started yesterday. And we see West Virginia some for some reason beat K State. K State goes on a what six game losing streak to close the season. They were a bubble team. They went from bubble to bust no, to bust. No, no, no more bubble. Uh, and obviously, our guy who we talked about extensively on this your show a couple weeks ago, our guy Bruce Weber. Bruce. Uh, so he is our guy. I, oh yeah, he's our guy. I Still our or guy. was? I think he's always going to be our guy. Okay. He went three and 22 against KU. He's our guy. He's our guy. He's our guy. Uh, so he quote resigns today. Uh, we're going to say quote, he does get his buyout. So we're going to say that wasn't really a a resignation, but he's gone. And he walks out the door last night after the West Virginia, uh, game and had a few things to say about basketball and his career. And also maybe a veiled concern about the University of Kansas basically burned all the bridges as he went out the door so I I wish we would have talked about this beforehand but we definitely should have bumped back into this segment with Frank Sinatra my way Mm. because (laughs) Bruce Weber went out his way he wanted to talk about awkward how how he did it (laughs) how he did it his way and his way as he likes to put it was the right way. Yeah. He likes talking about how he did it the right way, but because it's Bruce Weber, he can't do that even in a cool way. He no. can't do that even in a way that exudes, you know what, I respect the hell out of this guy because it's Bruce Weber and he just can't say things in a normal way. If you've been paying any attention to Bruce Weber, Weber and his physical appearance, you may wonder what's <laughs> going on. The hair doesn't look great. What's the reasoning behind it? He gave us a little insight on the surfer do that he's been rocking all season <laughs> part of my hair thing guys i'm on the mca ethics committee and on the meetings i was told that they were going to take care of the people in the fbi stuff <laughs> so i told somebody i'm going to grow my hair until something happens <laughs> obviously it's still growing and that's the sad part of our business let's start right there is that the sad part of college basketball uh, no, I don't. <laughs> Bruce Weber is on the ethics committee. He's sad. Should we be sad with him? How sad is this? You know, I wish he would have said this six weeks ago. Yes. Can you imagine the vitriol between the two fan bases, like debating about this, talking about the hair? He if might he have saved his job. If he would have done this six weeks you think? ago. He wouldn't have saved his job. <laughs> <laughs> but K-State fans would have rallied a little bit more around him, I Maybe think. Maybe he did not give the K-State fans any reason to rally around him. Maybe this would have worked, but he's basically like entering out his Twitter drafts all at the end. He's <laughs> yes, just getting them all out at the same time. What do I have to say about KU? I'm going to say it right now. What do I have to say about everybody else? I'm going to say it right now. So that was, yeah, in a way though, that was his way of saying, I always played by the rules. I always ran a clean program. Therefore to, I guess, own the coaches, i.e. I- wink, wink, Bill Self, that didn't do it the right way. I'm growing out my hair. The irony 
of causing yourself to look like a fool in an attempt to own another man is astonishing. He literally has to get up every morning, look himself in the mirror, and think about Bill Self. And like, say, I'm showing him. That's, that, I mean, how can he not every day? Because that's obviously not his normal hair. So he gets up, he looks himself in the mirror, he's brushing his teeth, and he sees the hair. Got, I, I really want to know what it looks like in the morning. But it, it's straight up, and he goes, darn that Bill Self. <laughs> like that, That's his reason? Can I you, hope he I hope he shaves his head and then posts to Twitter the day after any of the NCAA <laughs> stuff comes down. Can you yeah. imagine the people in Manhattan, Kansas, maybe doing that in solidarity with him? You mm. would see guys walking around campus in Manhattan with 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 locks just flowing in solidarity. Maybe he would have saved his job. So that was just one thing that Bruce Weber had to say, and I didn't actually say I was going to play this for you guys, but there's another clip in here about. Um, you know what? I'm not even going to give the preamble. I'm going to play it for you. We'll react and we'll see if there are any parallels. We'll see if we're starting to sense a theme between the stuff that Bruce Weber had to say. This is also from last night after the loss. I am very, very proud of uh, my time here. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. Some of you guys asked about the tradition and all the history. And, and I look out at the banner and uh, it was a long, long time. And they hadn't won a Big 12 championship. And, uh, you know, we won in 13. I told the guys that the sad part, I, you know, and the funny part and sad part, uh, I didn't get much credit for that. And they all said it wasn't my guys. But I would tell you um, probably the closest group of all my 40-some years of coaching is that group, from Thomas Gibson to Shane to, to Nino to DJ to Rodney to all that group. And, I, and some of them I had a year, some of them had two years. But that group was really, really special. So, conclusion, Bruce Weber reminding everybody, hey, I won a title in 2013, but the sad part, and I tell the guys this all the time, <laughs> the sad part is I didn't get enough credit for winning that title. <laughs> I think he just reinforced it. He said, the best group was the group that I didn't recruit. Hey, <laughs> Illinois, yeah, we've seen this story before. Like, yes, he is better with other people's players. Why? Because he does it the right way, guys. <laughs> he does it the right way. So you figure at that point, okay, this is immediate aftermath of the game. It's probably sinking in. That was your last game as a Kansas State head coach. Then this morning, the news came out. Bruce Weber stepping down. He has resigned as the head coach of Kansas State. He holds a Zoom press conference. And at this point, I just assumed things would take a little bit of a different turn. You be the judge if the tone shifted at all from Bruce Weber last night to Bruce Weber this morning. Earlier in the season, one of the social media people asked how we can get more people in the stands. I would tell you and challenge you just like I do to myself and to our players. You might look in the mirror. There's no doubt winning helps. I know that. Everybody knows that. But the negativity that surrounds K-State sports at times is really, really sad to me. This is the only school that I've been associated with that I am afraid to give our recruits and have them connected with our social media because what they will hear and see. I know other coaches in our department feel the same way. Hopefully, uh, that can change, maybe with the new coach and, and 
everybody can be positive about K-State and K-State athletics. If you were considering throwing your name into the hat of being the next Kansas State basketball coach, I'm not sure I'm feeling super pumped about that after hearing those comments. I think the only one would be Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb (laughs) seems to have captured the imagination. He's already got the Twitter followers. Of K-State Twitter. Did you hear did you hear his comment about Doug Gottlieb today? Yes, it was it was so great. You didn't hear this, Kevin? I didn't hear this, no. So he had said, and it was just a quick aside, he said, you know, I remember when I got hired, some K-State fans held a protest that it wasn't Doug Gottlieb, and he called that I don't know what the, the verbiage was. I think it was embarrassing. Oh, ridiculous. It was mo- one of the most <laughs> ridiculous things ever. So, like, on the way out, he found a way to say, hey, I should have gotten more credit. I was doing things the right way. It's not my fault. It's the negativity. That's what made recruiting so hard. Baffling. Everybody else at K-State feels the same way. Oh, also, make sure that you don't let any recruit see K-State Twitter. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's basically what he said, which is just, uh, and he said other coaches in the department feel the same way. This is the only school I've ever been a part of that that I feel that way about social media. Like, looking back, when he was at a different yeah. school, did was social media such a thing that it's would how be... it is now, Bruce? Yeah, it That's, is what so it he is, started bro. There Ten years ago, I mean, Twitter was still nice and polite, and it now was. it's not. You gotta, you gotta adapt. Just like the other coaches have adapted to college basketball recruiting, you have to adapt to other things. And he obviously has shown an inability to do. Both. Well, his first day was ridiculous with the Doug Gottlieb protests, and his last day was ridiculous with this Zoom I'm press I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss Bruce Weber, the I'm content too. machine. Let's not forget, his first day at Illinois was not better <laughs> than it was in his first day <laughs> at K-State. We have some moments. Let's let's just think back for just a little bit. What are the, what are our favorite moments? Well, let's Certainly, hit that one. Are we the, doing just of the Bruce Weber era of, of, of his career? Well, of his career, because we'll include, we'll just start with this, the, the Bill Self funeral on his first day at Illinois, his first few days at Explain Illinois. Explain it. So when Bruce Weber was hired in Illinois, at Illinois, everyone was so despondent about Bill Self leaving the program, and he was tired of hearing about it, and he was so tired of hearing about it that he held a mock funeral for, for Bill Self to for everybody to get out of his system that, hey, I'm here now, Bill Self's not here, and for you to be Bill Self. Just start a new job in Kansas, and for you to see this clown <laughs> told a funeral for you, like what? What's got to go through your? They mind? asked him about it back then. I remember, I remember reading the story. So, so Cindy, his wife, Bill Self's wife, sees the quotes, shares them with him, and his first reaction is he puts his finger to his neck and says, "Yep, I still have a pulse." <laughs> that was was this at like a press conference that he did this? No, it, I think I can't remember how the story came out that he was that he had done this funeral thing because didn't he walk into like the into the into the like players room doing like wearing the suit there was certainly some some symbolism there was and some showmanship yeah. no here. when i mean when did bill self comment on it oh they just asked him about it the next like the next day like press was like uh hey hey coach and bill self took the high road today when <laughs> they did? asked him about it he said you know i i always enjoyed coaching against him it was never me versus him i wish him the best but Come on. Come on. He he and Huggins are having a beer right now just laughing at Bruce Weber. I guarantee (laughs) it. I guarantee it. 
What else? What else belongs in the pantheon of the great Bruce Weber moments? You know, in the recent history, I think his uh, pandering of uh, of Fran Fraschilla of saying that Fran uh, Fran has told me personally that there are bad calls at Allen Fieldhouse. So just go, go ask Fran. Go ask Fran. Ask Fran. So Hashtag ask, ask Fran. Ask Fran kind of became the rallying cry for not much the K State fan base, but for the KU fan base. Ask Fran. Ask Fran. That, would, that's would be, one of my favorites. Would it be blasphemous to say the try hard chart is my favorite? The number try hard, one. Oh, it's, it's great. so good. I I try to use the try hard chart in my life. Mm-hmm. It's like I may not have had success there, but I won the try hard chart. Can we start doing something on this show? Can oh. we do a try hard chart each week? Okay. I want to keep stats throughout the. We can each keep our own stats for each other. Okay. We cross compare at the end of the show and we <laughs> see who wins the try hard chart. You guys are trying pretty hard right now. You think so? No. Who's the current leader? Uh, Kevin, you're you're in the lead. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll give it to Kevin so far. I feel good about that. Got a few floor and burns. By the way, it doesn't mean you're doing anything right. It just means you're trying hard. The effort's yes. there. <laughs> sometimes, effort. and sometimes you can try too hard. Yeah, you dive on the floor when there's no reason to dive on the floor. Like you're not going to get that <laughs> steal, but you tried real hard. But like you know, sometimes you see people out out in the world, and you're like mm, that guy's a try trying hard. Too hard. Yeah. He's a, he's a try hard. Like you don't you don't want to be. No, uh, winning's overrated. Trying. All that matters. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio on 610 Sports Radio. Is Bill Self coaching for his legacy or does he have nothing to lose? There are only two options. You must choose one and we'll do it next. Jayhawk Talk Radio, a KU show by the fans for the fans on 610 Sports Radio. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder service. It'll help troubleshoot the likely cause of your light for free. So you can drive with peace of mind. Restrictions apply. Every 36 seconds, a vehicle is stolen in the United States. You have the power to protect your car, remove your valuables, roll up your windows completely, and always lock your doors and take your keys or fob. If you know something about a vehicle theft, call us at 1-800-TELL-NICB. Hey, it's Travis Kelsey, and you're listening to the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. We're back again, Jayhawk Talk Radio. After the shortest break known to man, I feel like feel like we all grew, we connected, we bonded over that commercial break. I'm Nick Schwartz, Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, Julio Sanchez producing this thing. It's a weird position that Kansas is in right now. I feel like they are still in line for a one seed. I feel like they've got. A pretty good shot to go on a March run, yet something feels a little bit off with the way that people are talking about this team, does it not? No, nobody's talking about this team. Nobody is picking Kansas. You look, it, you uh, people are picking Kansas to win the Big 12 tournament, whatever. But when you look right now, people talking about the, the teams that are most likely to make a Final Four run, the teams that are most likely to have a chance, and you even hear people say, like, I got a short list of five, six teams. Even that list doesn't include a potential uh, and a lot of a lot of those lists doesn't include a potential number one seed University of Kansas, which is a weird position for a one seed to be in and particularly a weird position for Kansas as a one seed to be in because usually you look down and frankly you get mad because everyone's picking Kansas to the final four like Obama picks Kansas to the final four you do whatever uh, it's <laughs> it's frustrating because then you go all right now everyone's picking Kansas to the final four so I like the idea 
Obama is the avatar for this. Ob- Obama picking KU every year, it seemed like, three or four years in a row. You got put, so mad when I said Obama. I know, because that was my idea. It's a, like, and, and then it became everyone else would pick KU. So you, you'd get through Selection Sunday, and you'd have Thanks a lot, Obama. Jay Billis would pick KU, and then Dickie V would pick KU, and it would put a lot of pressure on those Obama era KU teams, <laughs> and then Obama would pick pick KU a couple couple days later. It's like, oh, you know, you got to do it this year, got to do it this year, guys. Barack picked you again, and then it didn't happen. <laughs> but it seemed like you put a lot of pressure uh, on the team, and I think we're just as good as those teams. We're just not getting talked about. I mean, the teams that people are talking about are basically Gonzaga and Coach K. Kentucky, like, Kentucky, Kentucky, a little bit. Even, even Arizona, Kentucky's a little bit muted, a little but bit. Why, but why? But why though? But what? What it separates? I get. I know what separates Gonzaga and Kentucky from Kansas. But everybody else, what is the argument that they are more legitimate title contenders than Kansas is? Can somebody explain it to me? A couple things. We never reached number one this season. We were always close. I mean, we got close, number three at one point. But we're we put ourselves in a number one seed position at the end of the year. But we were never voted a number one seed, just like 2008. Like we're always always hovering. Uh, so I think that we never got that national pub for a week or two or three when you're number one to kind of solidify the the public's mind that this is going to be a title contender down the road. Even though we hung in there the whole season. The answer is the Kentucky game. Yeah. I, I still think that's the answer. We got absolutely obliterated by a good, a very good Kentucky team at home on the biggest stage of that weekend and really the, one of the bigger stages, kind of the mid-conference season you know, break with uh, the, the Big 12 SEC thing. And game day, the whole bit, and we get absolutely boat raced inside Allen Fieldhouse. I feel like that was the moment where a lot of people looked down and said, okay, Kansas is good, but they're not – they don't have the guys that, you know, like a Kentucky has. They may not have the dudes – to make the run. And I also don't know if everyone completely trusts the big 12. I don't, I, I'm just throwing that out there, but you don't hear a lot of buzz about the big 12 either. I want to get into that in a bit, but the only part about that, that doesn't quite register with me is that Baylor's still getting a lot of love. Maybe it's because Probably they're coming off the heels of the title. I, I think you're absolutely right. And the flip side is that Texas Tech, I think still people view maybe not as one of those legit teams in the country, but somebody that could make a run, and they've got the pedigree of just having been in the national championship three years ago. I just don't under like, – I'm not going to pick Kansas to go to the Final Four. I've been watching them all year, and I just think there's enough things that are going to keep me from doing that. But yeah. everybody else in the country, <laughs> I don't think they know that. Yeah, by the way, we didn't lead this with they're wrong. <laughs> No, yeah, that's true. <laughs> to say that Kansas shouldn't make but it. But the overwhelming... It's becoming contrarian, though. But the overwhelming sentiment with this college basketball season is there are just no elite teams. And it's actually always funny to me because we say this every year. Every once in a while, there's a really good Duke team. There's a really good Kentucky team. Last year, it was Gonzaga and Baylor. But I feel like 70% of the time we do this. We're parody... My favorite word this time of year is parity. There's no, there's just no great team at the top. And if this, that is the reality of this team, should we be taking Kansas more seriously to go on a deep run? You know, I think there's 12 good teams, maybe 15 good teams. Uh, in terms of teams that could win the 
win the whole thing. There's probably, what, seven or eight? And KU is on that list. That being said, we could look back at this season and you know have some revisionist history if gonzaga wins it all he's like ah, they had it the whole year they got it like they they were they were dominant they had all these draft picks we just don't get to see gonzaga a lot we didn't do this last week but i would like to bring it back reoccurring segment now let's get dorky we get dorky for 30 seconds i found a stat yesterday that said you're trying hard right now Ooh, i'm trying hard let's try hard I'm get, just giving you a point in the tryhard chart. Point. Oh, well, that, okay. I thought that was. I thought you were saying it as a negative. No. <laughs> I feel like well, now man, it's a positive. Well, no, 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 I'll take it. No, negative, too late. I'm already taking it as a positive. <laughs> it was that 16 of the last 19 national champions finished the regular season ranked in the top six of the Ken Palm rankings. KU currently slots in at eight. If they end up winning the Big 12 title and if they get one of those wins against Baylor, they're going to wind up in the top six. You get a bunch of wins, though, in the tournament that, that do elevate you. Because they think back to, like, that UConn team. That UConn team wasn't anything. No, I mean, they finished the regular season the regular ranked season. in the top six. And they're right there. They're knocking on the door. You win tomorrow. You win on Saturday. You, you put yourself, you're probably four or five. I mean, if you've got, those are yeah. those are big-time wins that, that will improve your, to the extent Ken Palm matters. But you win the next two games. You're a one seed. And if, if you're a one seed in the NCAA tournament, you're going to have be in the best position location-wise. You're going to be positioned most uh, most beneficially from a competitive standpoint. So just go out and win, and you've got as good a chance as anybody else. Well, speaking of win, if if we win out, do you think KU is a one seed, yes or no? Yes. yes. Okay. I think it's a guarantee. If you win the regular season and the postseason tournament for the best conference in basketball, you're a lock for a one seed. I agree. And I, I actually think... There's a chance Kansas and Baylor could both be mm. one seeds. They would take it would take some help, right? I think you would need Auburn. Arizona to lose, Auburn to lose. Maybe not both of them, but any any combination of that. And if Kansas and Baylor play a really good conference title game, there's a chance they both end up on the one side, one line. Like if K loses by two, three to Baylor in a really good conference championship game, do you guys think they could both get on the one line? I think so. I mean, it's it, it's going to take some help. It's not going to be, you know, your own destiny thing. If, if Kentucky and Auburn play in the SEC title game, one of them is probably going to get that. Is this actually a perfect situation for Bill Self to be in this postseason? Because as good of a season as they've had, they could end up on the one line, yet at that point still – nobody is going to be picking them to go and win a national it's championship. It's almost like the perfect scenario. It's weird. You've got a great team. You'll have a great path because you're a one seed, yet the expectations are going to be so low for most one seeds and so low for most Kansas teams. I don't think I've ever seen this before. It is weird. Yeah, it, it is not normal for because usually when we're a one seed, we have a team that people are afraid of. And I don't know that anyone is afraid of the University of Kansas basketball team right now. Like, I'm talking about other, you know, big big schools. We saw, I think, the USC game last year in the tournament had something to do with that. I think others, uh, we've had some early losses. I don't think we walk in with the same gravitas maybe that we had, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a few seasons back. That doesn't mean anything, by the way. I'm just saying the perception. And this is all perception that we're talking about right now. And I think the perception is, I'm not sure anyone's totally afraid of KU right now. Why? I don't know that we have the, I don't know that we win the airport test anymore like we used to. You walk in, you see a team in the airport 
They've got the biggest, baddest looking dudes on the whole planet. Before you even see them in a basketball uh, court, they win the airport test. We don't do that. That's like, like We haven't done that for the last few seasons. That doesn't mean we can't go beat anybody because I, I think we've seen that. But I think that that's part of it, too. And it's going to be matchup based. Sure. I mean, I think I, I think this will be a tournament that is not a dominant team winning, but it is a team that hit the right matchups at the right time. Um, you know, you look at a couple other teams like Purdue. Purdue is a team that Scary. does that does win the airport. I, out of anybody other than maybe Kentucky, Purdue wins the airport, but they lose some weird games. True. You know, they don't really play defense, but they play a lot of offense. And that is a team that can get tripped up in the tournament. So their success is going to be matchup based. Our success is going to be matchup based. We hit a physical team. We get a team that plays, you know, disciplined defense and gets back on defense. We might struggle with that. You know, what's so funny about that is that we said the same thing in 2018 because they played four guards and that fourth guard was not a stretch four. It was LeGerald Vick or Svee, and those guys were not great at rebounding. They weren't great at doing anything defensively inside, and they were so thin at the five spot. That's why Silvio ended up having to play a huge role in March. And going into that Duke Elite Eight game, we go, well, if there is a bad matchup for Kansas, it's the one that has Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter Jr. Mm -hmm. down low. But somehow... They were able to beat that team with Malik Newman and Svee guarding Marvin Bagley, who ended up going, <laughs> what, second overall in the draft the next yeah. year? So, like, th- that you can't just expect to win all of those games where you on paper are a bad matchup. But the flip side was KU offensively was a bad match for Duke defensively. They tried to play this right. high and wide zone. KU stretched them out. Gerald Vick was great in the middle of that zone, hitting open guys. They did a bad job on closing out and shooters. Can you just step back a couple feet from the line, knock down a bunch of threes late, and that's how they ended up winning the game. But I think you've seen this team have routine troubles with certain things. Uh, I think it's a trend, enough of and a what trend. What are they? What are, what are the things that Well, scare let's you? look at the teams that have given us problems. I mean, Kentucky is the, obviously the most glaring TCU. example. TCU is another one. Uh, I'm scared. Usually as a KU fan, what are we afraid of? We're afraid of little white guys making three-pointers because that's the thing that scares us because it's happened a bunch of times in the tournament. It's happened a bunch of times. Usually when something goes wrong, it's because we have the best lineup, the best athletes. We're not afraid to go athlete to athlete. Well, that may not always be the case now. And so what am I afraid of? I'm not afraid of the little white guys making threes. I'm afraid of the big guys hammering us. I'm afraid of uh, extremely athletic wings and guards who are able to get past our guys and cause trouble. And we are not a great shifting team. We're not a great defensive team in a lot of areas. And I, I think that's that that's the area that worries me the most. I think it's actually the big guys more than the physicality yeah. because TCU is not a super athletic team. They have big guys who crash the offensive glass Texas, both of those games, especially the one last Saturday, you could tell things were getting chippy because they were testing Kansas's physicality. I think it's actually a mentality. Sure. It's probably a game plan going into it. It's they don't want to play tough. They don't want you banging in the post. They want to slash. They want to get open driving lanes. They want to knock down threes. They want to get out open in transition. None of that exudes physicality. I think teams test that physical nature. Now, fortunately for Kansas, Dave answered the call in a huge way, played physical, got fouled, knocked down all his free throws. That's why Kansas ended up winning the game. It's those teams that like to bang and get dirty down low. That's what scares me in March. I want to turn this around a little bit. I think that we're going to be a bad matchup for most because the coach is going to give them, you know, give them the scout. And they're going to say, you're going to have to play 
the fastest team in the country, the team that gets the most fast break points if you don't get back on defense. And is everybody going to be ready for that? Big 10's not going to, they don't go against teams like that. Big 12, they scout that all year. I mean, and so that was snuffed out maybe towards the end of the year where we weren't running like we were. But when you go up against, you know, a a team on the second end of the weekend, so your your second round game, and you've got to prepare for the fastest team in the league or the fastest team in the country uh, on one day's rest, that's going to be tough. Yeah, the other side of that is the Big 12 has awesome defenses. Awesome. Like if up to top to bottom, great defensive league. That is a matchup thing that I think we should be pretty comfortable with playing almost any other defense. Like if we got to go against Texas, Texas tech, TCU, some of these schools have had just there, they know how to coach defense. We have seen that. We understand the, uh, and we're seeing of, more of it late. Yeah, like once teams have played you a second time, and kind of word gets around, they don't want to play a certain way. Yeah. So I mean, you could write. You're, you're right, Andrew. You could turn it around a little bit, and it's, it's obviously nothing we see in the tournament is something we haven't seen already, either defensively or you could say even offensively when we've seen some of the uh, some of the teams have gone against us, <clears throat> Kentucky. It's prove it season in college basketball. This is when you make a name for yourselves. Who's got the most to prove for Kansas this postseason? What say we have a lively debate and fail to come to a conclusion next on Jayhawk Talk Radio? You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, and Nick Schwert on 610 Sports Radio. March is upon us. Oklahoma leading Baylor late. Hmm. Big 12 tournament. I'm Nick Schwert with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, Julio Sanchez. You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio on 610 Sports Radio. Are we rooting? Are we rooting for Oklahoma? What's the strategy here? Do you want the Do you want the best matchup? Like if we know KU is going to be in the final, which we don't, but hypothetically, if you know KU is going to be in the final, would you rather have them play Baylor just to get the best game, or would you rather have them play literally anybody else just to get a better chance at a win? The rational side of me says we need to get the best game. We need to get the best win. We have a, a rubber match. We, we won the game in Lawrence. We lost the game in Waco. And so let's settle it out in the Big 12 championship game. But the emotional side of me says get Baylor out of there. I don't want to play Baylor. Let's play somebody else. Let's play Oklahoma in the title game. Just get that Big 12 championship. I think that's actually the other way around. I think the rational side of me. I was thinking that too. Yeah, because the emotional side of me wants the best game. The rational side of me wants the easiest win. I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. Like it's, I want to see, like I want the easiest route. I want my cake. I want the sugar straight into the vein. (laughs) And that is the easy win for me. I always tend to err on the side of mayhem i do too although i'm I'm not sure i want to see groves brothers again in march (laughs) there's just something about those guys that makes me a little nervous zach clements big 12 tire big 12 conference player wait a minute we don't think that oklahoma could make it all the way to the title game do we i've been riding my oklahoma is is playing for the most of anybody uh train all day long on Twitter, everyone's yelling. I mean, ow, 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 no chance, no chance. They're up five. They're probably still going to lose. What is your infatuation with the Sooners? I want them to be the seventh team in the big in the uh, in the in the dance. And you're right; they do have the most to play for. And so this may be that's it. Not 
worthy of talking about here in five minutes if Baylor uh, w- wins this game. But they are almost in the tournament, and they probably need this win to get in. Must. Uh, maybe another one, but probably this one will get them in. And I think that's that's good for the Big 12. You get these guys in, you get uh, uh, Porter Mosier gets back into the tournament with these guys. I don't know if Oklahoma's going to be good next year. They've got a lot of guys on the exit. They're going to have to really rebuild. Who knows what he can do uh, with a, with a bunch of new guys. So let's get let's get them in. Let's let's root for Oklahoma. That's all I'm here. asking for. Wait, the Big Twelve's getting six teams in. Yeah, Who? Iowa State. Yes, safely okay. in. Oh yes, safely. What's their line? Eight seed. Yeah, dude. They uh, they have the still third or fourth most Q one wins. I think we've been through this. I we have not went through this because I actually just went on a rant on a on a separate uh, program last night where I come clean full disclosure I have not looked at net rankings or quadrant one, quadrant wins one single time this year and I have henceforth retired from ever <laughs> paying any attention to the net rankings because they think they are utterly useless and I refuse to acknowledge them. Fair enough. That's why you don't know about Iowa State. Yeah. That is exactly why <laughs> I don't talk, know about Iowa State. Let us nerd State. out real, real quick while you're <laughs> sitting over there on your Ken Palm rankings that don't matter. If, We're going to talk about the net. If you were looking at <laughs> a useless metric. Right. <laughs> Iowa State surprisingly has a lot of quadrant one wins. Yeah, like more than most. More, like they're they're fifth. Yeah, or like it's, it's crazy. It's up there. I want to nosedive out this window when we start talking about the net rankings. Well, we can be done here, but Iowa State safely. No, they, it's they not can, you. It's not you guys. Yeah. It's the net. <laughs> Thank you. That makes me feel a little better. <laughs> I I still think that Iowa State's in. They're I think it's safely. Pretty safe. No, pretty I don't. Safe. I'm not disagreeing with it. And they we need a seventh get, team. That's they, all I'm saying. They could get blown out tomorrow. Which, by the way, since we've started talking about this, Baylor has just went on a run. So let's stop talking about this. I want to know, Andrew, Nick, how you feel about our team and the guys we have and uh, top to bottom, who has the most to prove in the postseason here? Mm. Let's start with the star, the All-American, Ochai Abaji. And, and my thought is he does not have a whole lot left to prove. This dude has shown us what he can do. This dude has shown us who he is, and he's an All-American. He is one of the best. And I think for this March, the only thing he has the opportunity to do is go from one of the best to the best. He's probably not going to like move himself up. But that's from, something, right? right? That is right, something. Right. He, he may move himself up from 11 to 8 on, in, the, in the tournament or in, in the draft. But... If he has a great march, he's going to be remembered as one of the all-time greats. Okay, so he's Kennedy. already got a banner season, right? Yeah. We're all in agreement. I mean, he's Big 12 player of the Big year. So player. you're going up Jersey. into the Raptors. There's a lot of jerseys in the Raptors. Not to say that, that that it all diminishes it, but let's just say hypothetically they do go on that run. KU goes to a Final Four. Heaven forbid they go on to win the national championship. He's <laughs> a big part of that. Like, how are we talking about him after KU that? KU great to KU legend. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's are you one how, of the greats or are you one of the, like... Who are the legends? How small is that list? It's very small. I mean, I think, well, obviously it Danny. It could be big. It could be big, but, like, you're right. You've got to narrow it down. So, Danny, you're right. I think Mario's on there just for the shot. Yes, 100%. Will, because of who he is. I mean, the Will. numbers were just too big and you know, almost won a title, but... Wayne is, a, is, like, one of those sort of, I know. I think he's just one of the greats, he's a, man. He's a, he's a great... Because it has to it has a have a postseason. Element. I think Nick Collison. He's a great. 
Right. So I think yeah, two, two multiple finals. No, he's fours. a legend. Wait, wait, right. wait. What's the demarcation here? Legend is better than great, right? Yeah, a great versus a legend. So so, so far we've got Danny and Wilt. Sharon and, gets up and there. Mario. And Mario. Right. Sharon gets up there with a little bit because he does have a title. He does have a, a spectacular year. Uh, Banner, I mean, is, is great jer- overall career. Up. Yeah, numbers up in the field house. But he could he could jump all those guys. He could yeah. be up there with Collison and Danny. And it Wilt. would take a title, a national. It would take a title. At, he, at he, least he a run there. to the final game and averaging 25 points a game. Something crazy where he puts the team on his back, you know, Danny and the Miracles type stuff. Right. And so Devontae had that opportunity and Frank had that opportunity and they didn't, they didn't deliver. Right. They didn't get that title. This is a very similar spot for him. He could be a legend. I so, think that's a lot, though. Like that, that's uh, a lot to play in for. terms of if if you wind up being one of the legends, the elite of the elite at the University of Kansas, and it's asking a lot, right? But but that's the expectations when you've already had the season that you've had. But not that if he doesn't prove it, he doesn't have still a lot to show for it. But I mean, that'd be a hell of a finish to a hell of a season. Yeah, maybe it's the difference of like when they write the KU books. Are they writing, are you just like a small chapter? Or mm-hmm. are they writing the book about you? Yeah. Right. He could have the book written about him, just about him. The Ochai book could come out. Because right now he is basically trajecting to be on whatever level you think Frank Mason is on. Like, he's on that. Now, I know Frank won unanimous national player of the year, but statistically the numbers were pretty similar. And, and in other years, Ochai might be the national player of the year. Yeah. So I think that... He's in that mix with Devontae, but Devontae then f- capped it off with a Final Four run, which gives you a little extra boost. So that's it's all what about I think the he's tourney. For. It's all about yeah. the tourney run. I mean, that, that's how you become a legend. I, th- I think that's it. At the end of the day, if you got to win a title, and that's how you, you, you really get to the top. I'm going to throw another one out there. CB, Christian Brown. What does he have to prove? He was a second teamer, which I called here on the podcast saying I didn't <laughs> think he was going to reach it. Absolutely think he deserves to be a first team All Big 12. He's a second team. You keep, what? keep with that. I love. I'm just you trying. Just keep going. I'm with that. just trying to get him pumped up. I'm <laughs> trying to get CB fired up. Use that as fodder. Uh, what does CB have to prove? I don't know. I mean, I think prove that he's ready to go to the NBA. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think that's about it because I don't think he's. I mean, expectation wise, coming into the season, it was not like he was. You know the 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 Robin to the Batman. He was just a kind of a guy. He was going to be good expectations, but he has outpaced those such that he's on draft boards. Now, can he go up to a first round pick? Can he get up to, you know, uh, actually show that he's ready? I think that's what he's got to show. And I think he, he has the most upside probably for draft boards because Jalen, I still don't think even unless he goes absolutely nuclear is not going to get there on draft boards. Yeah. I'm not sure there's a ton that, CB can prove from a Kansas perspective. Yeah. For me, his proving his proof is all about: Do I need another year of school, yep. or can I have a special run to where this is it? And selfishly, part of me hopes that he is back next year because I we talked about this last week. It wouldn't shock me if he came back and had a similar season to what Ochai did with a, a year of working on your game and polishing a few things out. I'll take it op- opposite of that selfishly. Selfishly, I hope he's not back because that means something amazing happened. Yeah, I guess and that's probably could, a fair trade-off. If you if he went, you know, absolutely, gr- I mean, absolutely great along with Ochai and everybody else. That theoretically, that's probably what we need to go deep. We need a CB to play well, start making threes, and do all those sorts of things. Uh, so anyway, yeah, but I understand. Your t- I agree with you. 
Who are the other candidates? Who else deserves to be in this conversation? Well, I mean, you got to talk about Dave. Dave's had uh, a season where I think he's had a pretty good season, but he still gets sn- sniped at. Like, talk about toxic fan bases on Twitter. Dave is kind of the, the, the example he's of that. He's in a Chinawith territory for no good reason. No. If Dave has a good postseason, he proves the haters wrong. Gets that stamped on him like this is yeah. this is Dave McCormick. This is this is the man. Yeah, he gets to prove the hashtag haters wrong. There's a lot of haters out there, many of them hating on him. He gets to prove those guys wrong. Now, I do think there's something perhaps for Bill Self to prove, but we're up against it. So we're going to get into that in the next hour. One hour down, one to go. Jayhawk Talk Radio. The month is March. We have musings. We share them with you next. Greeting, Earthlings. We have now taken over your radio. If you would like to join in on the conversation, you can do so on the Jay's Southland Toast Service text line 913-576-7610, or you can give us a call. Same number. Let us know how you're feeling about KU heading into this matchup against TCU, a team that has played them tough in the first two regular season matchups. But, boys, do we have an upset on our hands. Mm, Still some time left. Still some time left. Oklahoma's up eight against Baylor right now with 29 seconds left. I have a feeling that stadium is very Oklahoma-friendly. Right now, Baylor with doesn't all travel. Iowa well. State fans in the building, <laughs> they are cheering hard. <laughs> for I bet that is a pretty pro OU crowd. The Baylor fan is outnumbered. Yes, he is. She is. Whoever it is. All right, this will be interesting. I want. I mean, if Oklahoma wins, I there's a chance we have seven in the in the in the tourney. Seven Big Twelve. With seven this, out of ten. With this win alone. I think they're because in. it's, I think against, they have a because really it's against Baylor. I think the in. numbers love them. The I, net I, numbers. You love the net. The net numbers love them. I'll say this. I do love the net. I'm going to throw it out there. Just this win, they get into the first four. They get one more, maybe they, they like jump that. in. They jump in because they were the, on the next four out on Lenardi to the extent that means anything. But they need they need this win to get in. Uh, and I think that they a winning against Baylor in the Big Twelve tournament. That's enough. That should get you there. So I'm checking bracket matrix, which just compiles like all of the bracketologies. Yeah, they have them as the fifth team out. So effectively, uh, yeah, um, amongst the fourth man, the four teams out. But you've got like the teams like Wake Forest and it was all on the ropes yesterday. Did they end up winning that game? They lose no, to Boston College. Lo- no, Boston. Yeah, Boston College won. Yeah, so, so that's pretty damning. You yeah. lose to Boston, a bad Boston College team, and Oklahoma beats a really good Baylor team. Yeah, mm-hmm. you might be on to something. Hey, there. That's the Big Twelve Coach of the Year you're talking about right now. You beat the Big Twelve Coach of the Year. What a joke! <laughs> what a joke! I didn't care anything about the teams other than the fact that he won Big Twelve. I completely Coach of the year. agree. And I don't know. I tell myself every year I don't care about this stuff. But then the stuff comes out, and I yeah. find myself just trying to <laughs> stave off the anger. Well, and then for the Big 12 tournament, we always tell ourselves, like, it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't matter. we got to get ourselves solidified. Then why do I care and so then, much? And then it comes. We're like, man, we've got to win this game. we got to win this game tomorrow. And there we are. It, we've got 5.6 seconds left. It's over, boys. It's wow. over. Wow. Porter, See, Oklahoma. Porter Mosier, man. Good March is here. You got the Groves brothers. Big 12 coach of the year, the Porter year. Mosier. <laughs> oh, wow. Getting Oklahoma into the tournament with the big old lumberjack and the guy that looks like uh, one of the backups from the pet shop boys. We were talking about something in the last segment. Who has the most approved for Kansas this postseason? We went through some of the players, but one guy we didn't touch on 
is Bill Self. Now there are musings. That's as far as I would I would take him. That uh, perhaps with the NCAA stuff coming to a head, that punishments could be coming down the pipeline. Could it happen this off season? Could it happen next year? We don't know. But there is at least the possibility that, again, according to a report, that Bill Self may have to miss a tournament or two. Are we entering this tournament? with the notion or the feeling that Bill Self has anything to prove right now? The only thing I'm worried about on that, I mean, you you could say a lot of things about this. You can take this any way you want. Bill Self has been one of the best coaches of, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer all time, but he's got one title. So you could take it that angle. Like the two title coaches get you into another tier, right? I don't know if he needs it. Maybe, Maybe 14 straight Big 12 titles get you equal to another title. But I think people sort of take that for granted for some reason. So he needs another title. That's one angle. But the other angle, to your point, is that we don't know for sure if KU, for that matter, or Bill Self will have a postseason next year. We don't know for sure if Bill Self will have a postseason for two years. And if you know that, and you got your back against the wall from an NCAA perspective, this thing matters maybe just a little bit more. Just a little bit. I think so, you're right. I mean, with who knows what's coming down the pike, but you've got yourself a squad who's got put themselves in position for number one seed. I think you got it delivered. We haven't been past the second round since 2018. COVID year aside, that's okay. Uh, that you know we probably would have would have done well that year. But we haven't for the fan base. We haven't been there. And if there's some some roadblocks coming up in the future, one way or the other, uh, this may be a time to strike while the iron's hot. And uh, maybe he's facing that extra pressure. Maybe he, you know, just like anybody else, doesn't know uh, what the situation is or what what the uh, implications will be. But you know, I think you got to take advantage of, of when you do have a hot hand. We have a hot hand. We got to cash in on it. Maybe cash in is not the right word. Read the room, man. Do it Come the right on. way. Do it the right way. Now, Andrew, <laughs> you introduced me to somebody. Oh, okay. That I feel, I feel unfulfilled that I went through an entire college basketball season without being made aware of this man's presence, but. <laughs> What I think Bill Self should be coaching more, what he has to prove, for whatever reason, convince yourself why he needs to do this, but he needs to coach this team to a one seed so that KU can have a first-round matchup against Bryant, led by their leading scorer, Peter Kiss. Now, can you please familiarize our audience, who maybe, probably, most definitely doesn't know who this kid is? (laughs) For the tens of thousands of you listening to this show, let me introduce you to your new, your new muse, your new favorite player, your, your new North Star. His name is Peter Kiss. He plays for Bryant. And essentially, he is a new version of Marshall Henderson, but, you know, for the 2020s. And do people remember Marshall Henderson? Marshall Henderson was 
the bad boy yeah. of college basketball. And he made a name for himself here in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah he lost with Ole Miss <laughs> and then went out and partied at the Power and Light District Which is as, great. as one does. But Peter Kiss is a guy, and you've probably met this guy at some point in your life generally, but he, well, first of all, you, not this part. <laughs> he is the leading scorer in Division One. He with 25.1 points a game. Uh, he's going to the tournament. They will likely be a 16 seed. But this dude showboats after every bucket. And all of his buckets are either dunks or off-balance kick-your-legs-in-the-air three-pointers. <laughs> and that gets the crowd so fired up. And then after every bucket, this dude... Does does the horns? Does the raise the roof? Does push ups? What was the karate kid one? The crane kick. He did the crane kick arms to the referee. <laughs> he was, he was to doing the that referee. Directly to the ref. And he didn't just look at it and and say, "I'm doing this to you." He followed it up by a point, like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you, bro. No, 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 not the other guys. You." Dunk first. And held on the rim, maybe a little too long. And usually, you you keep a low profile after that, trying to avoid the tech. Instead, he points at the ref all the way down the court, and the ref on the way back like grabs him. He's like, "I don't know why I didn't give you a technical, but I probably should have given you a technical." Like that—that that seemed to be the conversation. If you're at the late shift at work, just Google Peter Kiss or, or on YouTube, or if you're if you're in your car, go home, Peter Kiss on YouTube, and watch that highlight video—the first one that shows up—and it will change your life. You I want to be play like, him. This guy is what March Madness is all about. If I would have known about this guy earlier, I would have been ESPN plusing Bryant games from in from November. Like this guy is hated so much in his conference that he was the leading scorer in all of college basketball, but was not named conference player. <laughs> leading <there>. score <laughs> by six points in his own conference. <laughs> he, he averaged 26, oh no, seven. He averaged 26 a game. The next closest average 19. So funny. hated so much. First place team in the conference. They didn't give it to him. If we play them, whatever the prop is on Christian Brown's points, take the over <laughs> because I want to see those two go head to head oil and water. It's, it's like if you have a gasoline spill and you start throwing fireworks, is there going to be an explosion? Maybe probably <laughs> more than probably <laughs> there will be an altercation between those two. Uh, but I think Peter kiss is a, I love a that more though. heightened version. I love this though. When you're not a great, I mean, you're Bryant, right? You're not supposed to be a good team, but you have this one guy who's kind of sort of good. The dude shot 29% from three on <laughs> over six attempts per game. So they're very clearly just like, Hey, we know he's going to miss a ton, but it's our only chance and our best chance at winning. So we might as well just let him they're do the his thing. Seat. They're in the tourney. They're that's what, that's what they did with Marshall Henderson. They said he ain't that great, but he's the only thing that we got would pull up from anywhere. I love Marshall Henderson. If I'm creating storylines, if I'm like rigging this for this to happen, he needs to play in the first four on Tuesday night and everyone needs to get a taste of this yes. guy. This is prime time television on, on true TV where we get introduced to Peter kiss and then you get the 16 seed versus the one seed on Thursday or Friday. And, and everyone's like, well, I got to watch Kansas versus Bryant. Now like, this <laughs> is going to be must see TV television. Uh, so anyway, go look up Peter kiss. This is going to be, I, I want you to plant your flag. Now. Are you in or out on this guy? It probably depends on if we play in him, what regard I am in on. I want, I want KU to, Make sure they get a one seed just so they can have a chance of facing Bryant in the first round. Same. I mean, if he's arrested from the stadium for doing something horrible and like this guy is a disgrace on college basketball, I want you guys to be on the record 
as being like, oh, I'm in on that guy. Oh, I'm on the record now. I'm, yeah, sure. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. This is my dude. This is a, he's, he's, he's part of our podcast group now. I like how we let off our musings about college basketball, our March musings with Peter Kiss and Bryant, a 16 seed. That's it. It should be number one. This should be A block, 1A above the fold. Peter Kiss <laughs> is the story. His of name is basketball. Peter Kiss. His name is I mean, Peter yeah, Kiss. by the way, we kind of scoffed past it. That, his name is Peter Kiss, K I S S. I love it. Cocky white guys, man. They know how to make great college basketball villains. <laughs> you know, there's some other fun teams out there. You know, we, we had Iowa we wanted to talk about. We wanted to talk about Duke. But nothing is as good as Peter Kiss. No, and there's some old friends. You know, Silvio at Chattanooga. They're going dancing. Had a great, they had a great buzzer beater the other night yeah. uh, to win their conference, i.e. would Silvio DeSosa be playing over Mitch this year? I know Mitch is a cockroach, but Silvio 11-7? and seven? <laughs> Uh, he likes to dunk the ball. Mm. KU likes to dunk the ball. Dunking is clearly back at Kansas. It's back. Well, it's good to see Silvio having some success, and I'm glad he's in the tournament. I, I think they're going to do pretty well. Charlie Moore. Could Charlie Moore be this team's Remy Martin? I've heard people say that. Uh, I've seen <laughs> no, that on Twitter. That's a no. take. I'm just not there. <laughs> I've seen it, like, multiple times, though. Something like Charlie Moore would really look good in a Kansas uniform. Like, I've seen that tweet, like, seven times. I am... I'm not there. So in conclusion, Bryant, Chattanooga, and Miami. That's pretty much all we've got going on our brains for for the month of March. But what about the teams we simply do not want to see Kansas play this postseason? We'll get into that next. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio. You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, and Nick Schwert on 610 Sports Radio. The bet sweats are real here in the 610 Sports Radio studio. I am Nick Schwert, Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, Julio Sanchez. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio. To join the conversation, you can call or text the show on the Jay Southland Toast Service text line 913-576-7610. Kevin is going through it right now, but he's in a, in a good way. He was on Oklahoma. Oklahoma upset Baylor. He was on Villanova. Villanova squeaked one out versus St. John's. They had to hit a free throw with four, two seconds to go. And as Villanova's at the line, the graphic shows on the bottom third that their 82.5% free throw percentage as a team this year, not just number one in the nation, number one in college basketball history. <laughs> and the guy at the line was a 96% free throw shooter on the season. Jinx. He made it. We're good. We're still alive. It's been a great day. I called that OU thing. That that is gonna that's gonna pay for everything. Now we're just icing on the cake. Yeah, this is this is a day where it's really the first day of March. You got you got games starting at eleven a.m. Games that matter. Oh, wait, how many day. games you have left on this parlay? I have three more. I did a nineteen money money line parlay for no good reason. Wait, tonight? Yeah. How are there three more games tonight? We got uh, these games start at eight thirty central. We got Texas Tech, North Carolina, San Diego State. There you go. Those, those, those are the teams you're on? You're, late. you're be sweating out that San Diego State. That's yeah. going to be late. That's going to be real late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually why I did it. I actually pick games all day long. No, you normally. For you, fun. This right. is a fun thing. Normally, you, you, like your second leg of that parlay would, would go bust, and then you wouldn't have to pay attention to it. But this one is forcing you to be active all day. All day. All day. 
And I and I made myself do three teams that started at the same time, so I cannot hedge. <laughs> so, <laughs> we are here. It'll be fun. All right, Andrew. This is this is the best time of the year. We used to go to Vegas every oh, year for March Madness. And then we had children. We used to. We, I think we went like what nine straight. What were you years, guys thinking? Years. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, we went from two thousand eight to twenty fifteen or so. Like first that. round, and we saw Las Vegas change. How they did that first weekend, probably because of us. Where, yeah, was our fault. Whereas when we started going there back when we were college students, everything wasn't, they didn't charge for anything. Like, so you could go post up in a spot and, uh, you know, have a great time all day. And now that same spot that you should be able to go find, it's probably going to cost you a thousand dollars to sit there. Yeah. And so it's, it's changed, but it is, there's nothing more fun than Las Vegas in the first round of the tournament. We're and, bringing Vegas here. We're bringing Vegas to Kansas and Missouri. Ultimately, eventually, sports betting will be legal. I do appreciate your program. Uh, you guys have been trying to, your, your radio program during the day, have been bringing guys on, I think, to talk about this, right? The, yeah, so Alex is... Alex do, has been the truth. So That's Alex, right. who is of your ilk. What does that mean? Degenerate gambler. What are you trying to say? He's a degenerate gambler. You know exactly what I mean. You mean nine team parlays? Yes. You got a guy? Is that what yes. you're talking about? Chasing. <laughs> I mean, he was betting on, and, and to his credit, yesterday I was giving him a hard time. I said, Who are you on today? He's like, oh, I got Sacramento State versus Idaho. I go, Sacramento State versus Idaho. He's like, Trust me. He used to work in Boise. So I'm like, You got a, you got some mm-hmm. info from, from one of your guys. He goes, That's just. Mm-hmm. I'm just done. And of course, nailed it. Uh, Syracuse, Florida State had the over yesterday. Nailed it. So he he knows a little something, something. So yeah, he's he's doing this series where he's uh, interviewing like actual like politicians and yeah. lobbyists and legislators I'm into that. about like the legality of it and and what exactly it's going to take to get gambling legalized in Kansas and Missouri. And one of the guys he talked to, a lobbyist in Topeka, I saw this. He said. That by week one of the NFL season, he believes you will be able to bet on the Chiefs in the state of and Kansas. And I did a reply to that and said, what are the odds I'd like to take and <laughs> bet against it? Because I disagree. <laughs> I didn't what? get any play for that. But Do you, you know. have any information? No. Okay. I, other than we know Kansas politics. Other than just <laughs> general skepticism. I talked to a legislator yesterday who was very optimistic. They, they reintroduced the bill or introduced the bill. Uh, or they heard the bill. This week, I think it was Tuesday, and everybody was everybody's on board. You're just trying to figure out where the money. I don't know if I go. like it. I actually, I don't want money to be. I don't want gambling to be legalized. Get, all right, in, in this thing. No, I love gambling. I love the shady nature of it. Okay, I, I like if it was the above idea. Board, you'd, you'd I <laughs> like the idea that my bookie may forget to collect one week, which has happened. I like the idea that I feel a little edgy when I'm placing these bets. There is something a little too commercial about the way that it's become. I do agree with that. I used to have a rule. I pretty much still do, which is if you win money, it is the rule of ill-gotten gains, and you have to put that money back into an ill, you know, some sort of vice. Of you some reinvestment sort. into Correct. your vice. It's the rule of ill-gotten gains that I used to use for gambling and poker. Is this and a real else. thing or did you create it? I don't know if it's a real thing or not, but I, I, I don't know if it is a thing. You, you coined the, you it. coined the term. I the have no rule. I, I don't know if it's a. You could find it on Google or not, but it's something we've lived by for a while. Well, if if not, then I think you should get that trademarked. Yeah, it's going to be in my book. 
coming up. <laughs> <laughs> the rule of ill-gotten gains. There is a movie from 1997 called Ill-Gotten Gains. I think that's what it came from. Anywho. We did. That, that's, a, that's a legal term. You, we both went to law school. That, that's a thing. Sure. You, you, you did learn something, or you at least remembered a phrase. Yeah. There you go. That's about it. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Is there anybody in the tournament that you absolutely, under no circumstances, want to see Kansas be matched up against? Yeah. We could probably do it on three. <laughs> One, <laughs> two, three. Kentucky. Kentucky. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Segment closed. Coming up next. Well, that's just because we saw them before, and Recency Kentucky bias. has everything to exploit Kansas's weakness. They have physicality and depth down low, and they have a ton of athleticism. Would you rather play Gonzaga? Would you rather play Kentucky? I'd rather play Gonzaga. Gonzaga because I haven't seen them kick, the, kick I, Kansas's ass yet this year. The so. only full-length game of Gonzaga that I've watched all season was against St. Mary's when they lost. Yeah. So that's the only thing I got going for me. Otherwise, they have a crazy team. I don't know what you do with Chet Holmgren. That man is an no alien. Uh, but I think the reason why is Kentucky has a little bit more depth at the guard spot, a little bit more athleticism that I feel like I I just I I can't envision a scenario where Kansas can beat Kentucky. I, oh, and I don't. They beat us by fifty in our own stadium. I mean, that's the other side of that. Like, let's not forget that they beat us by a thousand points like a month ago. So yes. that's that's the thing that is real mostly driving this. It was can you beat Baylor by thirty as well, and I then understand. things went different the second time around. It's, it's not rational. I'm just saying I don't want to see them because that's. What let's, is in my let's brain? Let's give us some credit. It was 18. It wasn't like it was 50 it points. It felt like a thousand. But uh, another team I want to point out Purdue. Mm. I, we mentioned them earlier. They do win the airport test. Yeah. They've got a 7'4 dude who isn't just like <laughs> some slow, lumbering dude. This is a 7'4 basketball player, like a legit basketball player. And he's not even the best player on the court and right, best player on that team. Uh, Purdue is one where it'll probably be 100 to 111. Because both teams just are g- great offensive teams. And defensive and defense maybe comes along, maybe doesn't. Well, KU's a better defensive team than Purdue, but Purdue might be the best offense in yeah. the country. Like, I have no earthly idea what you do against Jaden Ivey. Yeah. Like, just hopefully hope that Ochai can face guard him for 40 minutes. That's your only chance at slowing him, him down. So uh, you have to have two big guys. And so we have one. I mean, that's just a different way that Purdue plays, like the old traditional way. So you have Trevion Williams, who's probably one of their best players, uh, and then you have Zach Eady, the seven foot four guy. How do you guard that? Because your best post defensive player maybe probably's got to go against Trevion Williams. Can we put then to- what do you do? Can we put together the worst one through four? bracket that KU could be? And let's imagine that KU wins the Big Twelve tournament; they get the one seed. What's the worst possible two through four that we could possibly see? I would say we're the one. Kentucky's the two. Yeah. Purdue's the three. And then. I mean, you, you look at potential four seeds. You're talking about. Illinois. Uh, Illinois, probably. Wisconsin, Arkansas, UCLA, Illinois, Houston, Texas. Where's Iowa at right now? Iowa is six. currently a six seed. And they've got the potential to Jump. rise up. Probably not all the way to a four, Recency though. Bias. I'm a little afraid of Bryant. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. They yeah. got this guy. Let me <laughs> tell you about this yeah, guy. What's that Peter guy's Kiss? name again? Uh, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about Peter Kiss. No, I, I think that's right. I don't want to see any of those things. I don't think I would love to see UCLA either. I agree. They've I don't want to see Villanova in their 95% free throw shooting. 
<laughs> we didn't learn about that stat I'm until forty-five <laughs> seconds joking. ago. What can KU do to slow down Villanova's free throw shooting? That's going to be the big question in that one. Well, they, they, and that's the weird thing is because we always say that KU's been battle tested. We always say that they've shown that throughout the Big Twelve season that they can go up against the best of the best. But are we sure that the Big Twelve is good? Like, have we convinced ourselves that this conference has actually been a good conference this season? Because over the past 12 hours, I saw two of what I thought were the four best teams in the Big 12 get eliminated from the Big 12 tournament, and Texas Tech's about to tip off here momentarily. I'm a little worried about the Big 12. I got, I got no real good reason why, other than it just feels like you see a, a, a slog of a season here, and it's a lot of defensive teams that we've talked about. Sometimes defensive teams scare me a little bit in the tournament. Uh, the ability to score, we saw like a Texas today, you know, up, you know, go pretty bonkers in the first half and still find a way to lose, shooting 19% in the second half or whatever. You see Baylor obviously able to lose. We are able to lose. Up and down, and, and again, it's nothing other than I just wonder a little bit if the Big 12 is as much of a Goliath as the numbers, you know, the efficiency numbers say. Because they say that we're off the charts, right? The best conference in basketball. Off the charts. It's not even close. But is it? I, I'm not sure. I think it is. And it's it's hard to really gauge how that works because you really separate yourself in the non-conference. And that just seems so long ago. So we really bumped ourselves up with teams like Iowa State, who got some incredible wins in the non-con. Uh, you know, Big 12 season, they've been real up and down, kind of middling and kind of forgotten about. But they've got those non-conference wins that gives our kind of conference metric this big boost. But take a look at Iowa State. Uh, one of the best defensive teams in the country, and they just can't score. They yeah. just can't score. So you put that team in the tournament, and they're going to make the tournament. Are they going to be able to score enough points to win? Like, they can't win every game 40 to 39. You could say that about a bunch of teams. And, and, where, I, and where I fall is that, like, I, I, think the, I think the SEC is the best team, the best conference, because they have the top-heaviness that the Big 12 does, but they have more teams that are top-heavy. You've got Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama, LSU. That's That top six is infinitely better than the Big 12's top six. Yeah. And I get the flip side, which is, well, the Big 12 doesn't have a Georgia that went 6-26 and 26 this right. year, or a Mississippi, or a Missouri. <laughs> the whole, uh, you can't take a night off, that's fine, but if I'm talking about the strength of the conference, I want to know where you're at your best, and the SEC's best is better than anybody else's. And I don't mean to make this about an SEC versus a Big 12 thing, but for years, we've always just said that the Big 12 is the one conference you can't take a night off. Well, this year, you could take some nights off, and there's just not as many great teams at the top. And the great teams, I'm just not sure how great they actually yeah, are. that's it. I think that's it. Because I think we know what those other teams are. Is is TCU really going to go on a Final Four run? No. Is, you know, Iowa State, as you mentioned, Andrew, can they score? No. They can't. They will not be able to get there. But of those six teams you just named at the SEC, I could see any of them getting hot. And it, that I just don't know if I see the same thing about the the Big Twelve teams. I think KU, Baylor, Texas Tech, maybe, and then it falls off for me pretty hard. Those top three teams, though, it 
any of those teams can make the Final Four. Like those, right. they wouldn't be surprising, or, or or even one or two of them at the you know at the same time. Those those three teams have the pedigree, have been tested, and I think are, are balanced enough. I mean, Texas Tech uh, obviously a more defensive team than than offensive team, but those Baylor, Kansas, very balanced. The other ones are going to struggle to a certain extent, so they you know potentially could could get tripped up. But I, I think this team or this conference is going to get seven teams in assuming Oklahoma gets in and they're going to be competitive. Like uh, from the, you know, you're going to have the defense going into the tournament. You know, you have that. If they get the rest of it and get the good, good matchups, this conference could have a pretty good March. It's the end of an era in Manhattan. And much like Frank Sinatra, Bruce Weber, he did it his way. We'll talk about it next. Jayhawk talk radio, a KU show by the fans for the fans on 610 sports radio. Is it getting dusty in here? Or is it just me? I'm gonna let this one ride out for a minute. <laughs> Keep this going for a little bit. Yeah, this sounds a good song. Kind of want to sing with it. Yeah. Can you? Oh, there's bass. No, it's not going to. <laughs> it seems like yesterday we used to rock the show, <laughs> and that's how I feel about it. So appropriate, Mr. Weber. Bruce Weber. This oh. is Jayhawk Talk Radio, and it's a sad day on Jayhawk Talk Radio. Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne. I'm Nick Schwartz with Julio Sanchez. <sighs> Reminisce sometimes, man. I'm reminiscing today about the end of an era in Manhattan, Kansas. Bruce Weber. No more announces that he is resigning. I just want this song to keep going, man. <laughs> it's so it's it makes the conversation so much better. I just see the music video playing in the background of my head, which is an it, all-time classic. I can just just imagine him with the white shirt yeah. blowing in the wind, yeah. his, ha- his the hair, hair, the hair, hair blowing in the wind, yeah. standing on a beach. Kind of spreading his arms yeah. out. Oh, dude, the um, hair. Yeah, the hair. The, the hair really makes it. Man, I can't believe Poor, it really happened. I'll be Gross. missing you. I thought that man was a cockroach. I thought year after year, K-State fans were trying to run him out of town. I was convinced he would survive forever. So he leaves Manhattan, the third winningest coach hmm. behind the, the two legends. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be put up there in, in the legends category. Wait, Tex Winners and? Uh, Jack Hartman. Jack Hartman. He's not going to be using the same conversation as, as those two gentlemen. Why not? Uh, he, Why not? Because, be. well, he, he, he leaves with an Elite Eight. He leaves with two, two Big 12 titles and five NCAA tournament appearances. Like, as a resume, I understand the last few years have not been good. But as a resume, pretty good resume for Manhattan, Kansas. I, I mean, maybe they want more, but that is pretty good. You know, the, the issue, though, Andrew, as we heard, today in a zoom call was that it wasn't him. That was the problem. It was the negativity in social media around the program. That sounds, I mean, I hate to be the boomer blaming the Gen Z (laughs) guy, but that sounds like a boomer blaming the Gen Z about his problems. Yeah. Right. Like you, if you're going to be, he seems like a guy who always has to think about other things he shouldn't be thinking about. One, think about this, the the Ask Fran thing, right? He's always worried about calls inside Allen Fieldhouse. He's very, very worried about that. To the extent he's trying to get a television analyst as his advocate right. to the public. He's very worried, obviously, about the FBI stuff and doing it the, quote, right way that he has to tell every single person on the planet 
that he's doing it the right way and also make a physical statement about it to okay, the extent so, that he grows out his hair. So let's get into this because a question that I hadn't asked until right now was that I'm going to play you this clip here in a second. But Bruce Weber invoked this statement without being asked about it. Yeah. Nobody said, hey, Bruce, talk to us about your hair. Which tells me that he grew this out all season and kept waiting mm -hmm. for somebody in the media to ask <laughs> about why he's growing his hair out. And nobody ever did. And at that moment, he realized it was his last press conference because he's going to say, damn it, nobody asked me about this. So now I got to do it myself. But here is what Bruce Weber said in the postgame press conference last night after K-State had lost to West Virginia and realizing that was probably his last game coaching for KSU. Part of my hair thing, guys, I'm on the NCAA ethics committee. And on the meetings, I was told that they were going to take care of the people in the FBI stuff. So I told somebody, I'm going to grow my hair until something happens. Obviously, it's still growing. And that's the sad part of our business. Sad part. They were going to take it care of the people. the sad part, guys. Take care of the people with the FBI I'm stuff. <laughs> you know, I, which, I by the way, there's people in prison. People went sent to jail. Yeah, they were taken care of. Yeah, <laughs> but that's not enough for Bruce Weber. He needs coaches to be suspended before he's satisfied. I can imagine him in January just sitting there thinking about it. Like, when I get resigned, fired in March, <laughs> I'm going to tell him. I'm going to say this. This is what I'm going to say. I'm going I'm to come up with this, and I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that this is why my hair looks the way it does. How are you going to win basketball games when those are the things you're worried about? When you're worried about the social media around your program, you're worried about Bill Self such that you got to go grow your hair out. You're worried about all this just stuff that does the calls inside, ask Fran, all that. How are you going to win basketball games when you're worried so consumed about those things? In all seriousness. Yeah, he did. He won some games. He he won some <laughs> games, but when things didn't go well, whether it's the play hard chart, whether it's the ask Fran, whether it's the I mean, some of the comments that he had today where he kept talking about how hard of a job it was at K-State, and you're not wrong. Like, K-State is not an easy place to win. But you take a step back now looking at the fact that he's no longer there, and it, and it does make you wonder, was there just a lack of willingness to take accountability that you think ultimately led to his downfall? Because the, the, the idea that he didn't take accountability, that happened. We have countless examples of times when he just wanted to point the finger or blame outcomes on things outside of his control. And at some point, you can explain each of them away individually, but you kind of look at them all together and you say, is there a theme here yes. that this guy just refused to accept responsibility a lot of times? And I think if you look at the elite coaches, maybe Coach K aside, <laughs> you <laughs> never hear them talk about the superfluous stuff, the stuff that doesn't matter. It's always focus on the basketball game, focus on the players. Yeah. The guys, and I'm going to put Scott Drew in that conversation too, but he does have a national title, so there's there's something to it. But the guys who focus on fouls months later, <laughs> fouling discrepancies years and months later, the guys who uh, focus on, you know, his team's social media presence or the, the, the fan base's social, those are the guys who get tripped up. Those are the guys who, those are the guys who don't make it. It's, it's, it's obviously an inferiority complex such that he felt like he literally had to have 
a funeral for Bill Self when he took over at Illinois. I mean, just come in and control the room. You don't have to have a funeral for Bill Self. You don't have to blame social media. You don't have to say, I was really good in that one year that I actually won the Big 12 title in 13, and people said I wasn't getting the credit because they weren't my guys. You don't have to say those things. Let the action speak. But, yeah, it's frustrating. I, what's he going to do? This is the real question. Is he done? No, I think he'll coach again. He's I don't know if he'll coach again, right? It, will he coach at a high major program? He's 65. No. He's got some pedigree. He's got some success. Yeah, but how many years realistically does he have left? I mean, five? He could coach at a, a mid-major. With that hair, dude? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but do you <laughs> think there's any chance, you, any chance he goes to a high major? No. No. Really? I don't think so. Jim Woolridge retired okay. plan. Just you, hypo- UC Riverside, you yeah. know, UC Irvine. UC Riverside, Florida Hypothet- Gulf Coast. It's gonna, he's going to go somewhere. Hypothetically, can... Georgia just fired Tom Crean. No chance. I know he's not going to Georgia. That would be a terrible fit. But Tom if- Crean to K-State? Just kidding. Okay, now you've piqued my that interest. That would be fun. That would be a slam dunk hire for it's them. It's not going to be Underwood. Just For all the K-State right. fans out there, stop. Saying Brad Underwood is coming home. Yeah. It's gonna ain't. be it's gonna be some dude at a mid major. It's just yeah. up and coming. Which, by the way, that's okay. Yes. I think. I mean, you obviously it comes with a little bit more risk, but for for what you are expecting at K State, first of all, you're not gonna go lure. You're gonna either gonna get you know, a retread, someone who's been fired, or you're gonna have to get someone an up and comer. This feels a whole lot like KU football. We've been in this position. Yeah. And by the way. Go get K- your Lance Leipold. Yeah. K- and K-State basketball is a way better position than KU football. But we also have expectations set in the right place. Well, <laughs> And with the transfer portal, it makes it easier sure. to get an immediate improvement in For one sure. year. So uh, let's talk about the transfer portal. And I want to talk about Nigel Pack. Obviously, Nigel Pack is a special player. First team, all Big 12 uh, and we saw him torch us. I mean, he was a transcendent player where, I mean, he was getting national media attention after that that KU game and rightfully earned these these postseason honors. But does Nigel Pack stick around? No, no chance. chance. No chance. No he, chance. W- with the transfer portal, the, these coaching changes are going to impact rosters more than they, they ever have before. I mean, that one-year sit rule before was a, was a huge barrier. That barrier is gone. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the Pac-12 first team last year, I want to give you a couple names. Remy Martin, now in the Big 12. We have Timmy Allen from Utah. James Akinjo went to Baylor. Those are all first team Pac-12 players. And They're uh, gone. And by the way, Nigel Peck might be better than all of those, all of those guys. Maybe. 17 points per game, 44% from three. Point guard didn't turn the ball over. I think if he enters the transfer portal, I don't care who else enters it. He will be the number one target because he's a point guard. Like, it would not shock me to see Nigel Peck as the starting point guard for Kentucky next year. I it's think he's crazy. that good. It's not crazy. Yeah. I, and I don't know what, what his emotions are with K-State. Maybe he wants to stick with his guys. But I know that the Sharks will be swimming. Yeah. His phone will be blowing up saying, you know, come to Kentucky. Come to North Carolina. Come then. to Kansas. Can we have him, please? Please? I'd take him. He's good. Come I'd on. Take, I'd take him. Come on. <laughs> Would he come here? Well, here's we can't problem. have two it's short guards again. I was going to say, <laughs> we've been through this experiment before, boys. We got the Pac-12 player of the year, and he was the preseason Big 12 player of the year. Uh, how'd that go? I don't care. This guy's better. Yeah, but he's not Dwan Harris good. But anyway, he's, not, he's not all defense first team Dwan Harris good. Would he come to Kansas? 
No. No way. Oh, come on. No way he wouldn't. Come on. No chance. Why? Because he's drank the Kool-Aid, man. Oh, you, oh come on. There's no K-State player that's going to come to Kansas. Seriously? Never. Seriously? Unless something happened there so bad that they, like, one, it's like a had to get out, had to really twist the knife. That's the only way that would happen. All right. Well, we got a matchup set for KU tomorrow. It's TCU, the team that has given them fits twice this year. Third time be the charm. We'll talk about it next. This is Jayhawk Talk Radio. You're listening to Jayhawk Talk Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne, and Nick Schwert on 610 Sports Radio. Coming down the home stretch here on Jayhawk Talk Radio, 610 Sports Radio with Kevin Meckley, Andrew Payne. I'm Nick Schwerd, Julio Sanchez producing this thing. And we got our matchup for the Big 12 Championship semifinals. Texas, Baylor, already out of the mix. Texas Tech, uh, going to tip off here. Have they already tipped off? They playing? Uh, yeah, they should be in the first half. We've got all of our... TV's on the wrong. We're watching Virginia, North Carolina, and Seton Hall, UConn. <laughs> this is a massive oversight by us. Yes. With the station. Uh, Y'all need some more TVs in here. Well, I, two's not a, enough? I'm going to pull a Huggins. Y'all need bigger TVs? <laughs> you need more TVs. <laughs> How many do you need? <laughs> I'm going to go back to that. How much would you pay for a locker room feed of watching Bob Huggins watch the game after he's been kicked out? That would have been great. Pay-per-view, I would pay $50 for that. I would Second come screen. to your house and pay $25 <laughs> and we'd split it. <laughs> or it's like a Manning cast, but like, okay, Huggins gets kicked out after 10 minutes and then he has a guest in. <laughs> Maybe like even Bill Self gets kicked out too. And they, they just go back in the locker room and uh, they have a, have a good time. Have a like, you know, oh, this is how this play is supposed to work out. But it's really just them <laughs> drinking beers in the locker room after being kicked out. That would be great. That is uh, – so, look, we got TCU set up. We Do we know if Miles is playing? Has we, anyone figured this out? We don't. What I think will happen is, like, you know, oh, yeah, he's going to play. He's going to try. He's going to try on it. And who knows if he is going to be 100% on that. So I bet he gets into the game. That looked like a pretty nasty ankle injury. He did come back and play in that game. I don't know if he was 100%. I don't know if he was 50%. But I think he'll give it an opportunity and give it a go tomorrow. It's the Big 12 tournament. This is a a, a team that is hungry and fighting for something. Uh, so it, it would be a shame to see him not play. I bet he does. I see no update on, on his health, though. But we'll check again in the morning. You know, he's got a full day tomorrow, too, a treatment. So I, I anticipate him playing. But that'll be a big influence on how this game goes. We have played this team. This will be three times in 11 days. And We've not played well at all. I mean, we did get the win at Allen Fieldhouse, but we didn't look like we deserved to win that game. Yeah, that was a close one. And we did do a much better job on Miles that game. He scorched us the first game. Uh, but it was it was Miller, I think, who really went off on this. Emmanuel Miller, who went off on this this last game. So I I think this is a tough team for us. Is there any line out yet? Uh, I, uh, let me check. I'm looking at Ken Palm. Or let me just. What do you guys think the Ken Palm line is? I have spoiled it because I'm literally looking okay. at it right I'll now. Let me take it then. KU by six. It's, it's way above that. What is it's, it? Well, it's, it's eight. Oh, okay. 
That's, I mean, that's, that's a, just judging from the past two games. You well, think, let me talk they, to my guy real fast, guys. Yeah. I got to sneak over here well, for a minute. It's because they treat the Sprint Center or the T Mobile Center as a semi home game, yeah. which it might be. It might be. But the problem is, like, when you say semi home, it's like, yes, Kansas is going to have a massive advantage in fans. The problem is, I feel like for the longest time, the reason why KU has played flat, not necessarily in the Big 12 tournament, but in those regular season sprint center games was because they sort of expect to get picked up by the fans the way they do in Allen Fieldhouse, and it just doesn't Never. work like that at the T-Mobile Never. Center. Never. It does not happen. It's, it's such a weird vibe in there. You could, There were 80% KU fans there, probably 85, maybe even 90, and I could still hear everything Huggins and Self were yelling. Yeah. That does not happen at Allen Fieldhouse. And I could hear a, everything they were saying. It's a, I mean, Thursday's different because you have all those fan bases. Some of them True. are hanging out. Some of them are across the street. Some of them haven't showed up yet. There's different sessions. You know, you know, if you're a Texas fan or, or if you're a, you know, Iowa State fan, maybe, maybe you went this morning. Maybe you had the ticket for it. Maybe you didn't. So Thursdays are tough in terms of determining how that place is going to feel. But you know, on a, on Saturday, the tournament game, if it's KU versus Iowa State, that place will be rocking. I mean, it'll be half, maybe 60% KU, 40% Iowa State. Yeah. I'm not predicting that. But that is when the Sprint Center and the Big 12 are at their best, is when those two warring fan bases, that's when, the only time when, excuse me, the T-Mobile Center. Get it right. I got to get that right. When the T-Mobile the Center. Wireless Center. <laughs> uh, feels <laughs> like Allen Fieldhouse. Otherwise, it's just a, you know, just another arena. The line is eight. I just wow. looked it up. Wow. KU minus eight, at least on FanDuel. So they're giving KU at least a point and a half because it's at T-Mobile Center. Yeah. I. Okay. Right now, how do you feel about the game? The, the over-under is 140. How do you feel about the, the line and the game? Just Let's, straight up. The line first. Let's go there. I guess that'll tell you how you feel about the game. Uh, I think it's too much. I think TCU proved in back-to-back games. They are a bad matchup for Kansas. And I don't even know if it's necessarily personnel. It's style of play. And I think what we saw in those two TCU games and in the Texas games were we have big physical bodies. Kansas doesn't want to play a physical game. We're going to rough them up. We're going to throw bodies at them. We're going to crash the boards. We're not going to be afraid to throw some elbows, to throw some shoulders, to push guys off their blocks. And just daring Kansas to embrace that physical game. And what we did see late in that Texas game was Kansas started to embrace it. That's when Jalen started playing really well. That's when Dave started playing very well. So maybe they have learned, okay, if that's what you're going to throw at us, we're ready. But that's what I fully expect. These teams dare Kansas to play physical because they know that's not how they want to play. And I wonder if that line has the, the Miller injury factored in there. Uh, the, the Miles injury factored in there. And so if, if Mike Miles is not 100% or is not going to play, that eight sounds m- more appropriate. But otherwise, this is going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. It's a tough game. I, I like KU to win, but I think if I had to bet it, I think I like TCU in the points. So we're going to be back next Wednesday. Jayhawk Talk Radio, NCAA Tournament Edition, and... Next Thursday, Andrew pains me to say you won't be able to join us first day of the NCAA tournament. We're doing a live broadcast from 10 to 5 out at no other pub at PL. Kevin, you stopping by, right? You got it. We're going to be yeah, hanging out, watching games. You went out there, did, got a scouting report yes. on no other pub. So it's going to be a great place to watch some games. 
We'll be talking KU hoops. We'll be talking college hoops. It'll be a good time. Yeah, I can't wait. It's time. It's March, boys. This is really March. It, it was technically March last show. It's really March this show. Gentlemen, one week from now, there will be games. There will be NCAA tournament games one week from right now. I'm ready. I'm ready as well. This has been Jayhawk Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in. For Kevin Meckley, for Andrew Payne, Julio Sanchez, I'm Nick Schwert. We'll see you next week. Jayhawk Talk Radio, a KU show by the fans, for the fans, on 610 Sports Radio.